Hello and welcome to Unlock Your Vitality with Magali on a Journey. I'm your host, Magali Matthew. Here we cover all things vitality, that is living full of energy. From gut health to spirituality, nutrition to movement, we peel back the layers and unlock ways to heal and feel our best selves, one conscious habit at a time. Stick around, let's dive on in. I'm so excited you're here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the show. Today, I have such a treat for you guys. This is a very, very special person. We have my sister, Elodie Young, on the show. Not only is she my sister, but she's also my bestie. We've gone through so much together, and she has such a beautiful perspective and inspiring story that I know you guys are going to love. So, Elodie, welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yay. So exciting. So one of the reasons that we're having this conversation now is you've been in a process of transition. But before we actually get into that, why don't you tell people a little bit more about who you are, introduce you so they can get to know you? Sure. Well, you said it already. I'm your sister. <laughs> and I. so I'm also from France. I have traveled the world and lived in many different countries before I turned 18. And then I've been in Canada lately for the last 10 years. I live there with my husband and my three girls. I'm now officially a Canadian as well, which is a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, I started my career in the business area, working as a consultant. And decided pretty quickly that I wanted to do more socially oriented work. And so left uh, consulting, went into the nonprofit sector, spent, you know, about a decade in the nonprofit sector and then had three babies. And then recently um, decided to go back into consulting, but keeping the social services side of what I do. Um, And I've been there for about eight months. So it has been quite the transition. It's been fun and I'm excited to tell you more about it. Yeah, there's so many topics that I think a lot of um, women, also men, because, you know, different couples are going through these different transitions. But I think there's a lot of listeners here who are going to be really excited and learn a lot. I recently heard uh, Michelle Obama speak to Oprah on her The Light We Carry tour, which is the new book she just launched. And she said something that I wonder if uh, it can help us just start this conversation. And her quote was, you can't have it all the time at the same time. So referring for her of the tough years that she's experienced through having the young kids, troubles in her marriage. So I was wondering, what are your thoughts on having three young beautiful little girls and the reality of what a woman goes through as she becomes a mother and as she wants to continue to pursue her career. Yeah, that's a great book, by the way. I read it recently. A fantastic one. Um, So I completely agree with that quote, that there are different seasons. The way Mm -hmm. I look at it and think about it is there are different seasons in your life. And for me, I feel like I had a beautiful season of, you know, working in work that really mattered to me and I really enjoyed in this nonprofit that I was in for for quite a while and also starting to build my family. This was a time when, um, you know, at the beginning I was going through a bit of a fertility journey, which we can talk about a, a little bit after. And then, you know, got super, super grateful that our first Chloe came and then our second 
Sophie came and then Louise. And it was a time when, you know, I felt so fortunate to work for an employer where I got to do not only work that really mattered and I really cared about, but I got to do it on my own schedule for not entirely, but but in in kind of the broad strokes. I had a ton of flexibility. Um, I was really allowed to, you know, in Canada, we're super fortunate. We get a whole year of maternity leave. That's amazing. Um, which was so wonderful. It was this kind of beautiful period in my life where I got to really focus on becoming a mom and figuring out what being a mom means. Because it's mm-hmm. it's a, you know, beautiful and crazy experience mm-hmm. all at once. Um, and it was also a time in my in our life where my partner, Kevin, was working nonstop because he was, you know, climbing the ladder, doing really well at work, having tons of great opportunities. And so he was in the season for him where he was super, super busy. And it feels to me like things have shifted a bit now. Mm. And so we're in a different season where I'm able to focus a bit more on my career. And I'm not always the one taking the kids to their doctor's appointments anymore. He's actually stepping in and and supporting a ton more because he's kind of you know, made it to the top in a way and just has a lot more flexibility than I do because I'm I'm in that point of like I'm trying to rebuild and not rebuild because, you know, what I did before was was super impactful and great. But I think I'm at a point where I'm like pushing and like challenging myself in new ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's shifted. It's like a new season for us. Mm, I love that. And so I remember having a lot of conversations before you making that jump, right, of the transition. And you had, you, as you said, you were in the space that gave you so much flexibility, that gave you the opportunity, um, yeah, to have these three beautiful girls and still love the work that you were doing. And you got to a point where you were like, okay, I'm ready for a bigger challenge and something Mm -hmm. different. How was that? How was that transition, especially as a mom of three young kids, like also maybe share how old your kids are for people to get, paint a better picture of that? Yeah, sure. So my girls are seven, um, five, and uh, almost three, almost five, almost three. It's happening very soon. Um, And so, yeah, still like pretty needy. It's not like we're out of, you know, (laughs) having to be pretty present for them. But in terms of that change, you know, for me, part of it was I'd been in my previous organization for nine years, which, you know, again, love the work, love the people, like got to do such interesting, exciting work. And I was getting to a point where I was like, I'm ready for something different. Part of it was I had been working for the same people for so long that I learned so much from them. And I was getting to a point where I really wanted to learn from different people. So Mm. I was, I was interested in learning from different people. I was interested in being challenged in a bit of a different way. I also got to a point where, you know, I think it was a, it was a, a nonprofit organization um, that, you know, I think was doing the best that it could for its mission and for what it was trying to do. And I also realized that, you know, I wanted bigger impact in what mm. I was doing. And when you're working, when you're working for vulnerable people and social services, you know, what I realized is the government is actually really critical to making big changes happen. And so I wanted to get closer to how big decisions happen and how they're made and how they're implemented within government. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for where I was sitting before as a nonprofit, it felt like it was a lot of receiving and trying to influence, but there wasn't as much exposure to maybe more senior levels of people in government and like 
a little bit of, of, yeah, having a bit higher impact in that way. And so that was a lot of what I was looking for. Um, I also, because I started in the for-profit sector, in the private sector, I was a little bit called to, hey, why don't I try that again? You know, I've, again, really enjoyed the nonprofit sector and was interested in trying a bit of a different approach, different atmosphere, and wanted to to try to go back. Um, but as you know, because we had many conversations about it, it was a really hard decision for me uh, because of the stability and like how great my situation was in terms of the flexibility that I had as a mom of three young kids. What I realized when I made the jump to go back into management, into consulting was this is a bit of a selfish move, right? And that's how I, I started to realize this is all about me. It's not really going to be that helpful to my kids. It's not really going to be great for my relationship with my partner. Um, I'm probably going to work way more than I was before, which which is the happening. case, which is happening. Um, and so I was I was thinking, you know, this is actually about me, but I, I think I was ready to get to that next season and be challenged and feel like, you know, I could put myself a little bit first again. Um, mm. And that was really exciting and a hard decision, but but one that I'm quite happy with, actually. Yeah, I think you're touching on something that you hear a lot about. It's become a bit of like also buzzwords and things I see a lot in social media, but the mom guilt. Mm-hmm. Um how yeah how have you experienced facing that um as you're talking about you know making a little bit of a selfish decision and maybe just before you get into it what I think is and I always tell you this when you had these conversations is amazing is even though it's probably not the best decision in terms of all those things it is the best decision because it's a decision for you and you're pursuing something that you're excited and passionate about and your girls are going to get to grow up to see a mom that's yeah pursuing what she really wants yeah no thanks for saying that I fundamentally believe that a happy mom is like will be Mm. a a better mom and so I think your own happiness and how you're doing um, yourself um, is is really critical there's a podcast I love um, Dr. Becky, um, she is amazing. She's a psychologist and has uh, a whole community of women and a podcast. And she talks so much about that. You know, you have to kind of do the inner work of figuring out your own emotions, your own feelings, your own needs, and that will make you a better mom and, and set the boundaries and set the rule, you know, the structure that you need so that you have what you need. And then you're able to give so much more to your kids in that way. And so, yeah, a hundred percent. What was your initial Mom guilt. Mom guilt, yes. So mom guilt, I feel like the minute you give birth, it's here. <laughs> it's just like it comes to the territory. There's always, it's, it's just you love these little beings so much and you want the best for them. And society keeps telling you that your job is to make sure they have the best opportunities and the best life in the future. And so, you know, there is so much non-stop that you could do you could read more books you could spend more time with them you could be tougher softer like there's so much constantly that you're thinking about am I doing the right thing are they eating the right food are they going to the right school are they doing the right activities like it's just endless Mm -hmm. and then and then that comes with a lot of guilt because you could always be doing better right Mm -hmm. and they're like your kids they matter so much to you and so what I've realized is mom guilt comes with the territory. It's just part of being a mom. And I think 
the sooner you can accept that and realize that that's just part of being a mom. It's just always going to be here. You can't control it. It kind of like dims a little bit mm-hmm. and you just accept that it's here and then you make your own choices, which again, I have doubt, I have guilt all the time, but it's it's more about, you know, how much emphasis do I give to those thoughts and how much um, do I try to like work on my own intuition and my own beliefs? You know, it's another thing for me that's so critical is I think my, like, I think mom knows best, mm. you know, 99% of the time. Like if you have a bit of an inkling of like something's wrong, usually, you know, mm. and, um, and so I think listening to what you believe and like, again, taking that space and having that time for yourself so that you figure that out mm-hmm. and then, you know, the guilt is still here, but it, yeah, it just dims a little bit. Mm. It's like takes less space in, in, in your life. Yeah, I love that. Um, talk to us also about how you mentioned you guys, uh, you and Kevin are in different seasons of life. How have you guys figured out like, you know, sharing responsibilities and all that? And then also eventually I know that you guys made the decision to hire help. Like yeah. how were all those decisions and, and how do you guys handle it? Yeah, no, for sure. So I would say when I first became a mom, I really wanted to do a lot of things myself. And so I also started to learn a lot more about food and where food comes from. And I like, I had all this time, I think, when I was on my mat leaves to read and learn about things that I didn't really care about before that much, to be honest, because I had these new beings and I was like, I was curious and interested in reading a lot more. And so when my first was really young and even when we had Sophie, I was like all about, you know, I'm going to make my own bone broth and I'm going to like do all these things to be, to bring this health um, to our lives. And I really was proud of it and it was super important to me. And um, Kevin was like on board for the most part. I think he thought I was a little bit crazy taking all these complicated (laughs) things on, but I think he was, he was supportive for the most part. Um, But it was more about me driving these things. And so that season for us was like, I was doing a lot And then I, you know, we're incredibly fortunate and privileged. So as his career grew, our financial situation changed. And that's when we were able to start to think about, okay, you know, especially after we had Sophie, so she's my second, we had two kids. I was working full time, even though I had a flexible job, I was still working full time. You know, this is pre-pandemic. We're both going to the office every day. Right. I was like, this is way too hard. We need more help. Like, I want to eat all this healthy food, but I don't have time to make it. So we hired help to come twice a week to help us with, you know, folding a bit of laundry and like cooking a meal a couple times a week. Again, incredibly privileged, right? Most people can't afford to do that. So I want to recognize that because I think we're super lucky. And that was something that we were able to do and also really wanted to do. It was super important to us. Um, I would say like, I think as moms, we have a tendency to, even if we can afford it, have a hard time making that step, Mm -hmm. taking that step because it feels like we should be doing it all. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, what I've learned is it's totally okay to identify things that you don't want to do yourself and somebody else could do just as well. And then you get to spend more time with your kids and that time is just different. It's not like you're not being stressed trying to put dinner onto the table. You're doing other, you know, you're doing other things with them. So I think if if people have the opportunity to, like I would really encourage you to just get rid of that guilt again and just just do it. And then when when Louise came along and that by then we had three kids, you know, both of us when I went back from my Mali, both of us working, 
I said, there's actually no way we can do this life without a nanny. And so we mm-hmm. got a nanny um, and her name's Gloria. She is amazing. I could not do what I do every day without, um, without her help. And she takes such good care of us. She cooks for us. She is always present. I forget to like tell her what we're going to eat. She figures it out. She's just a wonderful human being who the girls love. And I feel so fortunate to have her. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, um, yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't do it without her help. So again, Mm -hmm. we're super lucky that we can make that work for us financially. Um, and also we found the right person, which, which was really wonderful. Yeah. And I think it is important what you said of, even if you have the capability and the privilege, right? Some people still don't take that step because of the guilt. So I think that's really important to bring that up. Uh, I love that. Um, I also want to talk about how like you and Kevin split up things. Like I think it's pretty awesome that you guys are able to do that in such a way. Like you're, by the way, guys, we've just had an amazing weekend. So we're, we're uh, in the Bay area together. We've been hiking and kayaking and, um, doing all these things whilst, um, Kevin is with your three little girls. Yeah. And so this is something that I didn't really expect I'd want, but now that we have three kids, I realized, you know, just again, in this season of our lives where our kids need us so much still, cause they're still quite young. If I want to get a break and like, you know, take a bit of time away. Unfortunately, it has to be with, it's easier if it's without him right now, even though him and I sometimes get time. But so what what we're doing now is, you know, we take turns taking weekends, going away. And, um, and so that's one of the ways that we kind of support each other and we don't give each other a hard time. He's like so into mountain biking and he's going mountain biking for the whole weekend next weekend. And, you know, I am here in San Francisco with you. It's this weekend, it's amazing. Um, so I think that's worked really well. The other things that we have, you know, where we kind of divide um, things between us is I feel incredibly fortunate. He basically handles the entire morning for me. And so I, when I wake up, he's he wakes up earlier than I do. He's on the kids. And I basically don't have to worry about the kids or him or putting food on the, like having breakfast ready. Um, And I get to wake up slowly. I get to have a workout. I get to have a shower, all of that. Like he's just that morning person. And then I would say, then it flips in the evening. Mm -hmm. Um, I am usually, not always right now because my work is a bit more demanding, but usually either our nanny or me, we're taking care of like, you know, the girl's, eating dinner and then I'm usually the one putting them to bed and um and taking that kind of shift in the evening. Um he still helps at night like to clean up and stuff, but he's got a bit more free time where he doesn't have to worry about the kids. I'm the one that's present with them and he can like listen to a podcast or watch a show while he's doing, you know, whatever needs to be done mm-hmm. on, on the main floor. So I think we're incredibly fortunate that we have this balance. It's not perfect and we still fight about it and we still have moments where we get frustrated. But for the most part, that's been that's been really great. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Um, and it's something that feels like, you know, natural and especially if both of you are working full time, but something that society's expectations is like the woman still tends to take a lot on. Mm-hmm. There's something that you um, have talked to me a lot about and that I'm starting to feel even before having kids and it's that like cognitive burden or load yes. that we always carry. Can yeah. you talk to us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, and I don't think we figured that out, to be honest. I think I still have a lot of the cognitive burden around what are we going to eat? What birthday party do the kids have? Do they have a gift? Like, there's like a million things. What about the activities? Are they signed up? Like, there's a million things in our lives that I would say I still end up handling in terms of that cognitive burden. And so there's just so many things daily that you have to think about logistically and plan Mm -hmm. for and like you know, bills to pay and things to do. Um, and I agree with you. I think it tends to be more on the woman's side. And w- with my girlfriends, it's one of the things we talk about, you know, it's, you know, and Kevin does this. He's like, I'll be your arms and legs. And I'm like, no, but sometimes I need you to be the head too. <laughs> you know? um, I and I think it's something that he realizes um, and we have conversations about it and it's, it's not perfect. You know, it's also hard for me to let go. Like I'm the one who has strong opinions about what we eat for example Mm -hmm. i actually feel strongly that the girls should be in a bunch of activities i think if it were up to kevin they'd probably be doing a lot less activities and we'd probably eat out a lot more right so Mm -hmm. it's also because those are things that matter to me and probably matter less to him right um that it ends up being that way a little bit too yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense we're trying right now to have him be the planner of our trips Oh yeah, um, I remember that. And we've been we were really <laughs> successful for Christmas when we went to Disney and saw you there. So he fun. Plan- he planned that entire trip. Yeah. I had no idea what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I just showed up like he was on it. Um and that was wonderful. And so I'm hoping we can keep Continue. doing that. Yeah. yeah. I love that. That's awesome. One of the things that you told me when I picked you up from the airport, because we were talking about doing groceries. Um, can you tell that little story? I just think it's so interesting of like when you go oh, yeah. groceries with yeah. the girls so, versus... So, and actually right now we're both so busy that we just order groceries. So this is a <laughs> bit of an old... Like, this is a story that happened a few months ago. But yeah, Kevin, uh, you know both of us have had moments where we're going grocery shopping with both with all three girls um just because they actually love going and it's like a way to get them out of the house sometimes and you know it's it's a fun little store but um kevin goes with three girls with whenever he goes he gets comments and he comes home he's like somebody told me that i was doing a really great job and that i'm so brave for going grocery shopping with three kids Nobody compliments me for going grocery shopping with three kids. You know, just because I'm the woman, it's expected that I, you know, if I would have them. But for him, like, he looks like a superhero Mm -hmm. um, handling three kids who they're not the best behaved, let's be honest. They're running around in owls for both of us. Um, And so, yeah, that's like a perfect example of how society looks at the role of each person within the relationship. Yeah, for sure. What about as, you know, now, obviously you have three kids, but also intense job. Um, Where does self-care come into play in in this journey? And yeah, the time that you're taking for you. Yeah. So I think for me, self-care comes like I was talking about the mornings. So I um, work out almost every morning. And the intensity of it varies. Sometimes it's like really intense workouts. Sometimes, you know, I'm tired and I don't have as much time and it'll be a shorter workout, but I do have some kind of movement um, that I have for myself every day. And that's a, that's a really big part of it. 
I signed up for a triathlon that I'm going to be doing in July. And that is so exciting for me and such a good motivator. And again, it's like a selfish thing that I did. It's like, I want to do this triathlon. It's for me, nobody else. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm really, really excited about it. And then the other aspect is in the evenings, we have tea, um, Kevin and I, and we'll have a, like, we try to connect. So, because self-care... It's about just me, but it's also for me about connecting with him. Mm-hmm. And part of what's challenging when you both work hard, we both have demanding jobs and we have three kids. Is like you don't get really any time with each other. Um, and so we try to connect usually in the evenings. And then we'll have one night once a week that we call our date night. And whether we're going out or we're just putting the girls in front of a TV and ordering pizza for them and we just have that conversation, like that time, the two of us, um, we do that religiously every week. And that's been a COVID actually thing that we implemented because we never got a break because we had no help and we had kids around. Um, and it's been it's been really wonderful. And then the last thing is I, I do stretching and like unwinding at night before mm-hmm. going to bed. So I have, he actually usually falls asleep before me because he wakes up early. And so I usually have like 20 minutes, 30 minutes just to myself in the evening where I'm doing a little stretch. I'm doing maybe a little journaling. Maybe I'm reading a book I'm really into, whatever it is. Um, Yeah, those are the big things. Yeah, I love it. I think you mentioned a few times, like, the things you're doing for yourself. I feel like one of the things that's been awesome to watch you throughout this journey is um, seeing you just set boundaries and, like... Your workout in the morning has become such a non-negotiable of like, this is something that I know I need to do. And yeah, otherwise the day goes very differently, right? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's such, it's so critical for me. I love it. And it, yeah, it changes how I see my day for sure mm-hmm. and how I start my day. And yeah, it's yeah. been, it's been wonderful. I love it. So let's go back a little bit and talk about that fertility journey that you mentioned at the beginning. Um, yeah, how how was that for you guys? Um, I know the beginning was not the easiest. Uh, yeah. It's, when I put in like on Instagram or things like what are things people want to be talking about or hearing about in the podcast, fertility is one that keeps coming up. I also think it's because I'm in my early 30s and a lot of people that listen to this might be in a similar like age range, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so when we got married, um, a few months later, we decided, you know, to start trying having kids. And I started, like, tracking my cycles, and we started being kind of, I would say, more, like, really actively trying. And it wasn't happening. And it wasn't happening for quite, you know, we waited, like, I think a good six to eight months. And um, basically went to a fertility clinic they say wait a year, but I've also heard if you're actually like tracking your cycles and trying, you know, once trying at the right time every month, you should pro- you could probably go after six to eight months. And that journey was so, so hard. Um, you know, when you start, you have no idea, like, I'm, can my body even do this? Am I even going to be able to have a baby? And you go to a fertility clinic and their job is really not to take care of you, your emotional side. They're just there for the science of like all the tests and then try to, you know, do all the interventions to help you have a baby. Um, And so on the emotional side, you know, Kevin was kind of fine. Like he's just one of these people who's usually fine. Like Mm -hmm. he was obviously ready to have a baby and wanted it. But I think he has this calm confidence about like, 
it's gonna happen. If it doesn't happen, we'll adopt. Like he was just very much more relaxed about it than I was. Um, and for me, it was really hard. Like I knew for so long I wanted to be a mom. It was such a such an important piece for me. Um, and I was so ready. And so it was super frustrating. And and I think as like, you know, a type A woman who has had like just tends to do a lot, it was hard. It was like something I had zero control over. Mm-hmm. And that was that felt really, really hard. Um, and I think at the time I got into meditation, I got into painting. I don't know if you remember, I, remember, I took yeah. painting classes and I just found these other outlets to help me on the emotional side, um, which, which were really wonderful. And then what was really hard was like, you're constantly waiting. So you're waiting to try to see if you can't get pregnant, you know, if you get pregnant, you don't get pregnant, then you go see somebody. It takes like a few months to get a referral and then you see them and you're so excited with this appointment. It's going to give you all these answers. And then it's like, okay, so we're going to do some tests for two months and then we'll meet again. And mm-hmm. I was like, what? Two months? <laughs> like, that's so long. Um, and then you come back for it, you know, after that. And it's like, okay, well, you know, the results are that you're probably going to need help and IVF is probably going to be your best option. And, you know, here's how long that whole process is going to take. And it just feels like you're constantly waiting. And again, mm-hmm. for somebody who's a type A and likes to know what's going to happen and plan, I found that really hard. Um, and then you have this unknown of like, is it going to work and is it going to happen? We went through like a few things, then, you know, didn't work, did IVF, um, got pregnant and within a f- couple days found out like it wasn't going to work. And then it was like this waiting of, you know, you're pregnant, but we, we don't think it's going to work. You're probably going to have to have a, you know, medically induced miscarriage, which is what happened. Like that was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really, really awful. And but then there was a little glimmer of hope of like, oh, we did get pregnant, even though it didn't work. Then we got super fortunate and, you know, um, ended up getting pregnant with Chloe after trying IVF again. Um, and that was beautiful and amazing. And she was here and it was the best thing ever. And then it was Zika season. I don't know if you remember oh that. Oh my God, um, I forgot about that. And we that. had, and so Chloe was like, I think almost a year and a half, I think. And we knew we wanted more kids. And so we were like, well, we had a wedding in Colombia. And so because of Zika, I was like, we had to wait six months. So we didn't even think about it because of the timing of everything. We just went straight to IVF and had Sophie. And that all went smoothly, fairly smoothly, even though I, I wouldn't call IVF a smooth experience. It's pretty awful. But, you know, it gave me two babies. It was amazing um, and so worth it. <clears throat> and then... I think the thing that's also really interesting is because you alluded to that at the beginning of the podcast, but how you started becoming a lot more health conscious as you were uh, pregnant and got Chloe, right? Your first. And so there are a lot of things that change in your lifestyle. Yeah. As you became a mom. Yeah, exactly. And so we completely changed how we were eating. Um, Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that we started cutting all these things. It was more about we were very conscious about where our food was coming from. Mm-hmm. And we basically mostly cut out processed food. And um, we still like have sweets and have fun food, but it's more about where it comes from that really matters to us. And like we are trying to avoid processed stuff for the most part, which is like not 100% doable with with young kids so they still have um have lots of things that um that they love um but what ended up happening is after sophie we had just moved into this bigger house and we actually 
out of nowhere got pregnant, um, which we were not expecting at all. It's kind of funny that weekend we had just said like, maybe we're okay with two kids. We had kind of been debating about two to three and I just started feeling so odd and weird. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, Kevin, I feel awful. I felt awful. I feel pregnant. And he looked at me and was like, he started laughing. Like, you're crazy, lady. Because we had just had, you know, such a long journey of fertility. And it turned out we were. And so we had Louise out of nowhere. And we're so grateful and fortunate to have her. She's she's the best. <laughs> They're all I, the best, but... And then I'll never forget the day you called me. I also burst out laughing when you told me. I was like, what? Like, I don't understand because obviously you had gone through the fertility journey before. Yeah. Um, but I found it very beautiful how, like, you guys did change your lifestyle. Like, you started adding so many different products. Like, you were doing bone broth. You were also figuring out with, like, all of your nuts, right? Like, buying them raw, soaking them, and, mm -hmm. like, cooking them for a long time. But yeah, so it was so cool to see that a lot of changes started happening. And thank you so much for sharing that and for sharing your journey. And yeah, I it, it wasn't obviously easy. And um, you guys did an amazing job also being such a team as through that process. It was pretty awesome to see how continuously supportive you were of each other. And um, yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, I felt really lucky. Like, we got through it. It made us closer, I would say, for the most part. Like, it was it was hard, but it made, it definitely made us closer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, going back to, you know, being a woman, maybe being a mom, or maybe being somebody who wants to start growing a family and who's scared of that, putting that halt in their careers. Mm -hmm. Like, can you talk to us about that process? And I know I've even had conversations with some friends recently of like, well, you know, I'm on like this career path and like, I'm really close to promotion. I don't know if I should have a baby right now or if I should wait. Like, how do we handle these kinds of conversations and questions about when we should transition? Yeah, I think that, I think that's a really great question and um, not an easy one to answer. And I think the answer is different for everybody. And that's the first piece, you know, what works for you is going to be different than what works for your friends, for the people around you. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it's all about, I'm a very intuitive person. I know you are as well. And you talk about it. And I, I make decisions on like kind of gut, how I feel, what I, you know, I don't do a lot of pros and cons lists for, for big decisions. I think, you know, there's a few things that I've learned that have been helpful, which is that concept of seasons, again, coming back to that, At the end of the day, people, like things will shift and adapt around the decisions that you make. And, you know, there may be moments where you feel like it's really not the right time and that's okay. And then there may be a moment where you're not sure, but you really want this baby. And so you're just going to go for it. And that's also okay. And and the, the other piece I've really learned is people adapt. So you will adapt to what needs to happen in your life based on the decisions you've made. Your partner will adapt and your kids will adapt. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, in my shift into this more intense job, my kids have like, it was hard in the beginning. They'd be like, why are you always working? Mm -hmm. You know, and it was a big change for them. And, you know, they were like, oh, 
you're going to the office again? Like, but Dada never goes to the office, you know, because he yeah. just has a more flexible job and doesn't have, like, when he goes, he goes for a few hours and then comes back. It's just more flexible for him. It doesn't mean that he's not working hard. And, but I think I've learned is, yeah, people, like, and, and your job will adapt too if needed, like, especially today. Um, with uh, post-COVID, I think there's such a better understanding and I feel so fortunate about that um, in society about, you know, what it is to be a parent because we all saw it on Zoom calls, right? Like we saw how hard it is to work while you have kids. And I think there's this new awareness. There's also way less, like I couldn't do this job post pre-COVID with three mm. young kids. I firmly believe that it would be too hard. I'd have to go to the office all the time. FaceTime would be a thing. Now I only go a couple times a week. There's so much flexibility. Um, nobody expects me to work, you know, constantly. Like they know I have I have kids and I'm going to be offline while I'm feeding them dinner and stuff like that. And so I think there's this new awareness that's really to your advantage. I also think um, most employers right now want to be supportive of parents, right? And so I think having a conversation with um the people around you about like what you need and being really clear on what you need um, and not feeling bad about it, I think is, is really, really important. I remember when you, um, it was early on in your transition of this uh, job or maybe a few months ago, I don't know what time is weird, but you told me that Louise, so your youngest was like, your Kevin was going to the office and you're like, Oh, you're going to the office like maman. Um, yeah. 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 That was weird because <laughs> And when we're in our house, mm-hmm. our dad was the one that was working all the time and mm-hmm. that wasn't around that much. And I mean, he was around, but you know, like he was the one that would have to go every day and would go on trips and stuff. And I've had a few work trips where I leave them for four to five days and you know, it's, it's weird. And, and that was something I had to work on as a woman of my, with my expectation of our mom, especially our mom being around so much when we were growing up, which I think gave us so much stability and was so helpful. I'm not that mom anymore. Um, I was always working, but I think before I had, I just had more more time with them. Um, but I actually think in some ways it's making me a better mom. Like I think, you know, I have the opportunity, like when I'm, when I'm working, I am so into, so observant to my job. And then when I lift up from it and I have this time with my kids, I'm so happy to be around them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it feels like precious moments that I have to enjoy. Trust me, they're not all precious moments. And there are nights where they're so hard, all screaming at me and like, we're all grumpy and it's hard and it's not beautiful all the time by any means. (laughs) I don't want to give that impression, but I feel like I am more excited Mm. you know I'm not thinking like okay here we go they're gonna be home from school they're gonna be grumpy I have to feed them like it's all on me now it's not all on me you know our nanny often helps and we'll start dinner and we'll start to feed them because I still have a meeting or something and then I come down and you know they're so happy to see me I'm so happy to see them and it's like it's just a little bit of a different vibe and I think a lot of it is because because I have a bit less time with them and it doesn't feel like it's all on me I'm more excited and more like enjoying these moments. I think it's also because you're really excited about the role you're in and the new the new career change, right? Like you're also, you made that decision so much for you. Yeah, that's right. That it's also, not that you didn't enjoy the job before, but it's like you, you made a big step, a big, yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm making this decision. I know that it's gonna 
create a little chaos in my household and it's the best decision for me. Therefore, it also is the best decision for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's the part, the last part that I still struggle with. Therefore, it's also the best decision for them. I don't know that I'm fully <laughs> convinced of that yet. Mm. Um, but but I agree. I think I think that's true. I think that there's so much, such good little nuggets of, um, yeah, ideas and solutions and suggestions for people to take in. So thank you so much. This has been such a beautiful conversation. Of course, We're going to get you. into our little rapid fire. So this podcast is called Unlock Your Vitality. So how do you unlock your vitality these days? What are habits or anything that you've been exploring that feed your vitality? I've talked about it already, but really like having that me time in the morning to do a workout mm -hmm. gives me so much energy, you know, like sometimes I'm lifting heavy weights, not super heavy, but <laughs> heavy for me. And I'm like, yes, I can do this. Like, mm. I can do anything because I'm doing these weights right now. Uh, I love Peloton, as you know, um, and Jess Sims is my favorite. And she always <laughs> says, you know, we can do hard things. We're built to do hard things. And I'm like, yeah, I'm built to do hard things. And then I'm ready to go. Mm, I love it. Yeah, for sure. Um, what are you starting to say no to these days? I am starting to say no to perfection. Mm. I think like being a type A person who is really set, puts really high expectations on myself I'm starting to say no to, yeah, feeling like I'm going to be the best at my job. I'm going to be the best at being a mom. I'm going to be the best at working out. Like, I feel like I'm just resetting mm. what that should look like and making it more about, you know, what what is realistic and what makes me happy. So an example I'll give you is with my kids – Sometimes in the evenings, I'm like, okay, I need to get you to eat, get you to do your homework, brush your teeth, do your vitamins, you know, maybe floss because that's something the dentist cares about a lot. And then it's like, all I'm doing is trying to get my kids through these things. And now I'm like, no, my, I just want to connect with you. I just want to feel present. And so I'm letting go of like this state of all these things I think they should do. And I'm, I'm trying to do my best at doing some of them and also you know, just being with them. And so that's what I mean by letting go of perfection of like these standards I set for myself. Yeah, I love that. The next one is what's on your nightstand? My nightstand has usually a couple books. Mm -hmm. It has an eye mask <laughs> and earplugs because I actually usually wake up in the middle of the night and I put my earplugs in because my kids wake up early sometimes and that's like kevin's shift to mm -hmm. take care of them and so and then he wakes up super early and sometimes it wakes me up so i just put my earplugs in and then i sleep better love it i'm also a light sleeper and love your a good earplugs and eye mask <laughs> um the next one is if you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice what would it be it's gonna sound cliche but you know just trust yourself it's mm. all gonna be fine you're gonna yeah. figure it out like yeah, just have faith, have trust in yourself. Yeah, I love that. And the last one, you've already talked about a bunch, but what's one healthy habit you've incorporated into your daily routine that's made a big difference in your life? Stretching. Stretching at night. I'm getting a bit older, as you know. <laughs> like, You're not old. <laughs> getting close to 40, and I can tell. Like, I have, mm. I don't know, things in my body that just need a little more love. And so uh, stretching before bed I love it because it helps kind of work out whatever, you know, 
pain or like soreness I can have and it also calms me right down for bed and so I just feel like so much more prepared for sleep that way yeah I feel like you have such a good actually morning and evening routine like those are two really big non-negotiables that you implemented Mm -hmm. thank you so much for sharing all of your inspiring story and wisdom with us i love you so much thank you so much for being here and being the best sister and always being here for me even if we're miles apart thank you thank you so much for having me here this was so fun and uh for letting me share and asking me to be part of your podcast i feel so special and kind of famous now because of my podcast (laughs) it was awesome thank you so much and i hope you guys enjoy it bye see you next week